Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Bruce. And I'm Josh, and we're your farm management hosts. Let's get started. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, hey, Josh, I got a question for you today, uh, kind of an intro. What's your morning morning beverage of choice? What gets you going each day? Yeah, Bruce, say, and my morning is not really too healthy. So I usually, sometimes I get some water, sometimes I get orange juice, but I always have to have my energy drinks. I live off my energy drinks. And I know as as a farm kid, it used to be Mountain Dew, but now I've kind of grown up and switched to Switch to energy drinks, but I'm not I'm not an adult yet to drink that coffee stuff. I can't take the taste of it. <laughs> You'll lean into that coffee, I think, someday. I, I guess I'm more of a uh, of a coffee guy yet. Uh, straight up, no sweeteners, no additives to it. I guess simplified morning beverage, uh, so coffee of choice. And in the United States, there's a couple food items that we import a lot of here in the United States. One of them is chocolate and chocolate-related products, about $5 billion annually. And uh, we're number two in the in the world as far as who imports the most coffee for our, wow. our coffee addiction. And actually, the European Union still imports more coffee into the European Union and the United States, according to USDA ARS. So just a, a couple interesting things there this morning. So Josh, what are we up to today? What's our topic? Where are we heading with this podcast? Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about legacy planning with our guest, David Marison. So this past February, David, you wrote a special Valentine's Day article for the Farm and Dairy Newsletter, which perked our interest. Uh, you were giving suggestions on what type of love what you give your loved ones for Valentine's Day. Um, but it wasn't really what we normally think of when we think of gifts. Can you explain a little bit on that, David? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. Bruce talks about chocolate. And maybe you give your loved one favorite piece of chocolate, or maybe it's roses. You know, that would be very popular. Or maybe an edible fruit bouquet if you're trying to be a little healthier like Bruce tries to be. So I challenge people in that news article about... Well, maybe instead of um, those typical sentimental cards or a bottle of Ohio wine or chocolate or candles, all those are great ways to express love. Um, but my challenge was, well, how about you enjoy a romantic dinner complete with your favorite foods and then sit in the glow of candlelight and then talk about one important subject. And you know what that is? Death. <laughs> Just to talk about death. <laughs> Life after you're here, after you're gone, let's have a beautiful steak dinner and then all oh, let's talk about our death. Well, none of us probably ever want to, but wow, David, what an intro. David, tell us a little bit of background about yourself. So we, we know what we're going to talk about. Let's hear a little bit about who you are, what's your uh, vantage point on the subject matter here. Yeah, sure, Bruce. I'd be glad to. I'm David Marison, of course, as the intro said that, and I'm a field specialist in farm management, just started that position in November. But prior to that, have uh, almost 25 years of experience as a county extension educator, uh, working in Ashtabula County, Trumbull County, and then lastly in Coshocton County. But clear back in the beginning, and this happened before I even came back to Ohio to be an extension, was I saw what happened to our family back in 1996 when my grandpa died. And then the whole farm family exploded, literally exploded. Well, it exploded in my mind at that time, just because of how the family reacted based on what my grandfather did on the transition of our family dairy farm. So I've had this interest in farm succession planning and estate planning. And, you know, most recently, 
the thing I've come to realize is that all of our farm families are a little bit dysfunctional, especially when it comes to estate and transition planning. And I'm pretty comfortable with dysfunctionality because I think I've lived it my whole life. So my quest has been to find those farm families out there that are more dysfunctional um, than maybe the one I grew up in. I find, and that, what I found out is that we all have a little bit of dysfunctionality. It's whether we are going to admit it or not, right? So I watched a movie recently, and it was the second National Treasure movie. And one of the quotes in there, the clues, it, the, the clue was uh, the debt that all men pay. Well, the answer to that clue in that movie was death. And so are we really talking about death on Valentine's Day? That doesn't sound very romantic, David. Yeah, and it doesn't sound very romantic at all. You know, some people would probably read that column and just say, man, this guy is crazy. However, you know, if you've been through a death of a close loved one, or maybe you've been an executor of, a, of a, an estate, I think most of us will say that that is a real tough process to go through settling someone's estate, uh, transitioning that business to the next generation when the person that was the cornerstone of that business is now gone. And how do you do that? So I think one of the most loving things that we can do is let's prep up and get that next generation or maybe we get our spouse, whoever that may be. Get them ready. And then when they're in that time of turmoil, because I think all of us, there's a time of turmoil when we lose a loved one. So how can we make it easier for them in the future? And and why not talk about death? Yeah, David. So you were talking about, you know, the decisions that needed to be made. There's a lot of moving parts that's happening on, you know, farming operation. What are some of the first decisions we need to make whenever we're talking about legacy planning? And this is our our six to 12 hour course on this, right? And we're going to narrow it down here to the short podcast. But there are, are a lot of decisions to be made. If we're a farm family, of course, and we're thinking about that next generation that wants to come back to the business, how are we fair to all of our heirs, whoever those heir may be, without jeopardizing the future of the family farm business? And of course, that ties in hand to hand. Who is actually, who, what, which heir is going to be the one that's going to manage the business in the future? And then ultimately, we got to get down to the nuts and bolts of this. How do we distribute the assets? When will the senior generation we retire? And then I think we have to look at some, some way to look at the unexpected issues that could happen in life, whether that's divorce, disability, family dis, um, core dysfunctionality. Uh, we talk about the nursing home dilemma a lot in our workshops. So all the different things that could go wrong or right in the future from our planning. What is that nursing home dilemma? Can you explain a little bit more on that? Yeah, what happens when we have to use uh, assets? And Robert Moore, our, one of our ag attorneys in our ag law program, has been doing a lot of work in this nursing home dilemma. And probably we shouldn't call it a nursing home dilemma. We could we should call it the long-term care dilemma. What happens when someone in our family, a loved one, has to have assisted care in some form? And sometimes that assisted care is in the home, but sometimes that might mean that you're into a long-term care or a short-term care facility where someone else is taking care of you. And of course, anytime you have uh, that assistance, it's going to cost money. So where does that money come from in the future when you're looking at long-term care? Is that something that we've built some equity, uh, that we have some cash reserves that we are able to overcome any type of those medical issues? Or is that something that's going to have an impact ultimately on the farm operation because we're going to have to sell some farm assets or we're going to have to sell some maybe some farmland to be able to cover those long-term care content um, um, costs that we might have. And that's just one of those 
what I would call the unexpected things. Uh, if it's not long-term care that might impact your family, it might be disability or maybe a divorce situation that happens in the family that would impact the farming operation. David, you mentioned family discord. You know, sometimes when we get an impression of a any family business, whether it's a nursery landscape, farm production, livestock, grain, even the downtown hardware store, um, you know, maybe on Facebook or social media, everything looks great. We have mm -hmm. all the production pictures and the family photos and things. And so you're describing that families sometimes have a little bit of discord or what else? What other word did you use? Dis dysfunction? Dysfunctionality. Yeah, dysfunctionality, discord, discomfort, you name it, Bruce. I think if we're honest, I would love to find the family that doesn't have some type of discomfort or discord or dysfunctionality that happens, especially in farm businesses, because not only are we business partners working in the same business and the three of us we all work for the business called osu extension but at night we go home to our families well in a family farm business we work our family business any type of business whether that's a a plumbing business an insurance business a farming business you name it we work together all day and then guess what our personal life is also part of that so you know when you're working with your brother and sister if you have a, a memory uh, like one of my sisters might have, it might be that you can remember all the things back to you were in, you know, in first grade. If you have a memory like mine, I can't even remember last week. So there might not be any discord of what happened 30 years ago. But we know that family history always comes back in some weird form, shape or fashion to impact us when we have some some issues there on the farm. Do you, do you find in your workshops and in your consultation working with families, do you just try to get people to admit that it's there and not ignore that discord and that dysfunctionality? And how do we, wow, just a, attack it by recognizing it, I guess, at first? Yeah, you know, it, it's this is it's a complex issue, right? Because if you're like uh, the families that are nearest and dearest and closest to me in my genetic line, we're stuffers by nature. Like we we will do anything anything to avoid conflict, which may mean you shove stuff down inside and you just don't talk about it. Where there's other families that they may just go, it, it, they get it all out and then they have their, what I would call their explosion and then they work through it. So every person, every family, they're all going to be different. But a lot of this all comes back and we find this in our workshops that we do. It all comes back to effective communication. And are you taking the time to be able to sit and have thoughtful discussions. Uh, if you can't discuss the small things, it's gonna be really, really hard to discuss the big things like estate planning. So those open lines of family communication is something that most of our farm families have to strive to build up as they start to go through this transition process. So David, you talk a lot about communication, communication being one of the biggest parts about, you know, transferring the farm from generation to generation. What about trust? What, what do you see for trust? Because when whenever I see from my personal experience, seeing my family's business grow and grow, the, more, the older I get, the more they kind of trust me to let me in on some of that information that I need to know. Uh, is there any trust issues that you tend to find between, you know, farming, like just the knowledge transfer? Yeah, and that's, Josh, you make an excellent point. This is a process, and this is a process that doesn't happen. Tomorrow you wake up and everything is good. Because part of that, as you build your capacity as the younger generation on that farm, 
the senior generation is ultimately going to trust you more, trust you with more responsibilities. And over time, as that trust builds, then you will build, um, hopefully the senior generation's trust of you builds. That means they're willing to share more. And ultimately, where do we hold back our cards the most as a senior generation? It comes back to the financial side of the business. We will trust the younger generation in the business to do most of the production operations. Now, you name it, plant the corn, harvest the corn, make some of those decisions when it comes to the agronomic or livestock that we might be raising. But on the end, the one that takes the longest to transition and to have probably what I would say full and and transparent communication about is definitely the financial side of the business. That's a great point, Josh. And and David and Josh, I'll share a statement that I heard. I was on a professional development tour to the University of Maryland, and we did some farm visits out on the East Coast, right around the Chesapeake Bay. And the farm operator, the manager, And the extension professional there of the University of Maryland said they agreed on a statement that said, if the junior generation is not making decisions by the time that they are 30 years old, they never will. Now, whether 30 years of age is the right number, but sometime those decisions have to be transferred. And I think that was the manager's point that he was the junior generation at one point in time and struggled to get to that trust level that Josh just talked about to be able to to be in that position to begin to make those decisions. So that resonated with me, whether it's 30 years of age or some point in time, the senior generation probably needs to acknowledge that decision-making is part of that trust transfer and business transfer. Yeah. And whether that's the age of 30, I always will throw out if you've been back seven years on the farm and you're not uh, a part of some of the decision making process, then you probably aren't going to be and you're going to have to wait for a death to be able to transition into that managerial lead on the farm. I think the greatest thing that that a the senior generation can do is build that legacy. Right. And, and then build that plan. It's so easy to get busy day to day on the farm that you don't do the thoughtful process of how do we transition all aspects of the business to the generation so like we feel like we could throw them the keys at the end of the day and that operation is just going to keep running uh, really really efficiently so bruce i actually attended one of david's workshops he's done through a high state extension and one of the big things big takeaways that i took from his program was kind of doing a trial run and when he said trial run for mm-hmm. for kind of death you kind of think of well what, what's he talking about and he's talking about picking up leaving and letting that younger generation take the keys for a whole week david can you like you know explain more on that that trial run that you were talking about yeah you're referring to my possum approach um playing dead for a week you know, we talk about two different approaches about our is the next generation ready well The one is a possum approach where you just die basically for a week. You go on that vacation that you want and you have no contact with the next generation. And usually that's timed with the busiest time in the farm operation. So you leave uh, for a week or two weeks and you start to give that transition, see if the next generation's ready. Now, the beauty of the possum approach is, is that like the possum that is playing dead on the road, it comes back to life, right? So you come back after two weeks and then you're able to process what happened while you were gone. And then hopefully the junior generation is seeing, okay, here's some things that I really need to know. Uh, if Because the worst thing that can happen is like what happened on our farm. My dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and then passed away seven weeks later. Well, there's no second chance to ask dad any questions about the things that we need to 
to do on the farm, on the dairy farm especially. So can you have that process where you build in the capacity of that junior generation? Uh, so some people don't like the possum approach because they think, well, this place would burn down if I left for a week, or there's no way that it would go on without me. Well, then we just say, well, okay, how many days are in the year? 365, except for on those every four years, right? But 365 day approach, is there something that I can teach the next generation each and every day? You know, the old saying is, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? So how do you approach um, transition in estate planning? It's one bite at a time, which I think it's easier to do a little bit each day, a little bit each week, a little bit each month, and then do that over. A good transition um, process like this could take five to seven years. About five to seven years to be able to transition the things that you need to do to the next generation because you surely can't do it overnight. So this has to be led by the senior generation, right? Because they're the ones that are in control. So the senior generation is the one that needs to look at the junior generation and say, we need to set up a plan. So I feel like you're ready to take over this farm when I'm gone. So another area, David, you talk about is getting your affairs in order. And uh, that's a process in and of itself because the affairs of a farm business kind of vary. And so it's so unique to that operation. Um, where does one start with getting their affairs in order? Well, of course, we have our, our workshops that we put on through OSU Extension, and we have those that we put on every winter. We're going to be doing an online course where people can do it on demand. And then plus, we go around, um, around the state and do county-based um, programs, in-person programs. But we have, a, a, we have a document called Getting Your Farm and Family Fairs in Order. So basically, right now, it's a PDF writable version where you summarize your assets, you summarize your liabilities, which is really, really important in estate planning because you have to know what you own because there's this thing called the estate tax. And right now it's pretty favorable, just under $13 million for each of us to leave our heirs on the federal tax side before we have the federal um, estate tax. So you have to know how much you own. And then you have to make that tough decision. Okay, I have these assets. I have these things that I want to bless the next generation with, but I have more than one heir. So then how do I actually go through and divvy up those assets for the next generation? How do I take care of my spouse uh, maybe when, when I'm gone? So we have this document that you can pull together and where you can pull all this. And the cool thing about this is year-end tax statements and all the year-end financials and all that stuff that comes through, one of the things that you'll do through this process is that you'll go through and actually see, is is there a transfer on death um, designee or a payable on death designee? Just last weekend, I was sitting with my mom going over her, her document we were putting in, and we were looking up all of the deeds. And there was one deed that wasn't transferred already to her trust. All the other land holdings that she has is in the name of her trust. But there was one deed because of a mix-up at the auditor's office way back in 2010. So we're talking 13 years, right? 13 years, that deed has not been changed. And said, oh no, we need to change this so it goes into the trust so it can flow through the trust that she has so that it works, the process works like it's supposed to. So getting all those those items into one document, pretty important. 
because then it helps your surviving spouse or the executor of that estate. It's all right there. And then you know what the person has. You don't have, I've seen people where they go to every bank in town, right? And says, does my mom and dad, do they have an account here? Or they go into a file cabinet and they find some life insurance policies that were bought in 15, 50 years ago. And they're no longer valid because they just kept the documents, but they, they didn't want to throw out the life insurance paperwork. So it's in a file cabinet. And then their heirs think, hey, there's a life insurance policy. And then they spend hours and hours following up on that just to find out their the life insurance isn't there. Or worse yet, you are you close the estate and then five years later, Ohio comes and says an unclaimed fund, hey, you had a checking account that you didn't even know about. And it's listed on Ohio's unclaimed fund list. Wow. So that shows uh, that shows the real importance of just keeping accurate records. Yeah. And uh, and just pulling things together, because if you if you're like my family, you've hidden stuff all over the house. Right. In case that creepy kid down the road breaks into your house. Right. So you've hidden stuff all over the house, whether it's cash, whether it's your life insurance policy, the deeds to the house. They never got into the safe like they're supposed to. So do your kids, do they even, does your spouse even know where everything is when it comes to like settling your estate? And we have a process you can go through with this document to be able to put that all together in a notebook. And that's part of what we talk about in our workshops about getting this document together. So it sounds like there's physical and financial assets, but I think we've talked about two sides of a transition plan. We talk about the managerial, the management decision-making side of it, which can be viewed as a separate component than transferring assets. Maybe transferring assets are maybe easier than transferring the management responsibility in a business, especially if it's over time and death wasn't involved. Because I guess if death occurs, the decisions have to be made by somebody right away. Mm -hmm. But if we're planning for a transition on decision-making, that becomes two separate buckets to, to think about in the plan. I think you're right, Bruce. The estate planning part of this, the legal stuff, the legal mechanisms to do what you need to do in an estate plan, they're there. And we have some great agriculture attorneys all across Ohio that can help farm families when it comes to the estate planning process. I think where we struggle in the whole process is this family communication and getting the next generation ready. So how do we do that with plan and purpose? Because there's no, how do I get my family to talk and to communicate about tough issues? I wish that book existed, right? I mean, there's a lot of resources that are out there to help you improve your communication skills and strategies that you can do at like family business meetings. But how do you get that next? I think say the soft side of the estate transfer process is probably harder than the nuts and bolts of trust and and business organizations and the things that you need to do to make sure everything is is good to go on asset transfer. So David, we're looking at, you know, if I walk down and I just find a lawyer, would any lawyer work? Or is there a specific lawyer that we kind of want to move towards more of a different attorney, different type of field they'd be in? Well, I recommend that you, especially for our farm families out there, make sure that you're engaging with an attorney who understands the the interweavings of an agricultural life and a farm business. And we we would encourage you to interview your, just like you would interview a doctor or an insurance person, 
interview the attorney to make sure there's a goodness of fit between you and them as it comes to like their understanding. And most attorneys will give you that free consultation up front to where you can talk about, well, here's what I'm planning to do and what and ask what's your experience in working with farms like us. Maybe we're a farm business that's an LLC or maybe it's a farm business as a partnership or a sole proprietor, whatever um, structure we might have. Ask them how many farm estates that they have had and then and then check your resources to find out others and, you know, look for for references from others. Now, we have an, a, an attorney list at Ohio State that our ag sh attorney shop has put together that people can request and they can uh, talk to Peggy Hall or Robert Moore about that. But just making sure you take the time to interview an attorney and see if there's again, is there a good fit with your family when you're when you're doing your plan? So, David, there's typical reasons why a family would delay in planting. Certainly they throw out the idea of <clears throat> I don't have time. It's uncomfortable to talk about. You know, we have we already have family conflict. Um, we don't know what and how to do it, you know, or maybe even lawyers are expensive. Um, we don't agree on what what should happen as a family. So if those are some reasons, um, how do you make people in your workshops or in this podcast feel uncomfortable enough to take that next step? Well, for me, I, I believe like the princess and the pea theory, if you are moved to be in, in, a, in an uncomfortable position, you will do anything it takes to become comfortable. So my personal life experiences, the good Lord has given me some experiences through life where I lost my dad uh, to pancreatic cancer. I lost my first wife to multiple myeloma cancer. And just the impact that I've seen on those two deaths in our family, I'm able to share and say, we have no idea how long our time on this earth is. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be 30 years from now, but we don't know. And I guess the question I would ask, you know, the listeners is like, all right, is your family ready if if something were to happen to you to tomorrow? I've seen um, instances where people die of a massive heart attack and they don't have the chance to do some planning. I feel very blessed that we had seven weeks with my dad um, before he passed away. With my wife, it was four and a half years of a cancer fight that we had time to prepare some of the things that we need. And I'll tell you, even though we had seven weeks and four and a half years, we were not prepared for what happened. It, it, there were things that happened that I, I can't explain, but all I can do is encourage people to say the best gift that you can give. So this comes back full circle to that romantic dinner, right? On Valentine's day, the most romantic thing that you can do for your family, the best thing that you can do for your legacy is get a plan in place. Um, I was on a plane that almost crashed too, Bruce. And I'm thinking, the one <laughs> thing I was thinking, this was in December of 2016. I, I was on a plane that almost crashed. And I thought, there was one estate document I hadn't signed. And that bugged me because I said, if I die on this plane, that's a pretty critical part of my estate plan. And I hadn't signed that form yet. Well, guess what? As soon as I well, of course, it didn't crash and it didn't die, right? Because I want to be here talking with you right now. But immediately on um, that next week after that happened, I got those final pieces of paper signed that I needed to and notarized and everything put to bed on it. Because I will tell you, there is great comfort. There is great comfort in having your plan in place and knowing 
that everything is secure for the time when you won't be here. So just encourage people to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, David, I, we can tell you're an expert on it because if a plane was going down, that wouldn't be the thing that came in my mind with that signature. <laughs> that wouldn't be important to me. <laughs> I have to say, I learned some new swear words from the young lady in front of me on that plane that day. She was not happy that we were having problems. But the coolest thing about that, I have to tell you, Josh and Bruce, is that um, I saw some pretty amazing people during that process, but also the, the, for me, the most important thing was how would I react in, in the, in the, in the face of death. And I had great comfort in where I was at that moment. So I knew, okay, everything's going to be right. If today's the day, today's the day I'm ready for it. So if you can find that, and I think some of us have to do a lot more soul searching than others in this process. But I want to encourage you to think about that. I think we avoid this topic, right? Because it comes about we have to deal with our own mortality. And I would encourage you to do everything that you could do um, to, to think about that. So there's some workshops coming up. You have some 2024 dates that you have planned. Uh, there's some resources that OSU Extension can support and help businesses and families move in this direction that we're talking about today. David, how can folks get some assistance? Yeah, well, as always, with any of our farm management information, you the one-stop shop just to keep looking at is uh, farmoffice.osu.edu. We say that all over, farmoffice.osu.edu. But if in particular, if you want to do this from the comfort of your home, we have a four-part series that will be scheduled. You can watch it from your computer in your home on February 5th, 12th, 19th, and 26th. So it's the first, it's the only Mondays in February of 2024 in the evening from 6.30 to 8. Uh, Robert Moore and I will be teaching this workshop. It's online. If you want to get more information, go.osu.edu forward slash farm succession. So go osu.edu forward slash farm succession. Not only on that page do we have, we'll have registration materials um, of how to register for that online program, but we also are negotiating with different county sites to be able to hold in-person workshops across the state. So I know one of those will be over in Mercer County. We have a site set for Columbia and Mahoning area. And we'll have those dates up on that website as well. Um, but you can check that website out or farmoffice.osu.edu just to see. And then in early 2024, there will be an option to where you can take a course at your leisure on our nice OSU Scarlet Canvas um, platform to where you could do the course right from the comfort at home on demand, on time, whenever you want to do it to learn more. So that's a sneak peek to something that's coming out in the future. Well, David, before we get off here today, is there any final thoughts, final words you'd like to tell our listeners? I would say don't wait for tomorrow. I think there was a quote uh, that um, I saw once and it said, we all die. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. And this is what we can do as, as the best thing that you can do, the most romantic Thing, gesture that you can give your family is to get a plan in place so that even when you're gone, things will keep operating just like you were here. Perfect. Well, thank you, David. We appreciate you coming and talking about uh, Farm Legacy to our viewers. Uh, it was definitely informational. My pleasure.
Thanks for listening today. For more information about farm management tips, be sure to check out the farm office at farmoffice.osu.edu. Hey, podcast listeners, just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.